We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast. Pratt Part of Ramsock Radio. Checking my mic settings. We're good. Uh, super, super excited for you guys to hear this one. We just wrapped up an interview with Blue Wire's own and former Ram Chris Long of the Greenlight Podcast. Check them out on wherever you get your podcast as well as YouTube. They just launched a YouTube channel. Uh, it's Chris is a good podcaster, man, honestly, outside of being like a fun and interesting player. he If you want to check out, I think last week they did like a free agency winners and losers, and he talks through what happened when he signed with the Patriots and the Eagles and like how the free agency process went for him. It was super, like, he's obviously an entertaining dude, but really interesting to listen to. And this is a fun interview. Johnny's here as well. Not with him right now, but he's in the interview. So I, I don't want to keep this waiting, but... I'm going to play the ads before and after the interview, so please don't skip them so that we can make money off this podcast, uh, but I'm not going to – you're going to get an ad-free interview here because this is super fun. So without further ado, here's Chris Long. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
All right, super excited. Uh, man who needs no introduction to us today, but we're going to give him one anyways. Former St. Louis Ram and current host of the Greenlight Podcast, part of our network, the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Chris Long. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. This this is awesome. Dude, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. I love, I love, yeah, I mean, what a fun time to talk about the Rams, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, as, as you know, uh, Johnny and I have been Rams fans for a long time. And, uh, it wasn't all sunshine for the Rams, so it's still oh, no. like we'll come on the pod and we'll be like, it's still weird that we're talking about a like a really good football team. Like we're so scarred from it escalated quickly, didn't it? And yeah. you guys actually have seemed seemed to have stuck the landing on like just burning draft capital and so congratulations. This is pretty cool for y'all. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. It's uh yeah. and it's funny, like today's a good day too. Like the Tyreek Hill trade just went down. Like people yeah. are following the blueprint that the Rams started recently like they're just going all in it's better yeah. to get good players than the idea of good players no question I think another nice thing for y'all is Allen Robinson signed before uh the Tyreek Hill trade not that I don't think any of this plays <laughs> but you want to sign your wide receivers like as soon as you can yeah there's no gonna kidding, be another man. one that's gonna make more in a day so um, you know that, that <laughs> Cooper Cup and, and uh, Debo Samuel are rubbing their hands together right now. Oh, my God. Cooper Cup's making – it's like a bargain. So, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it seems pretty clear that, like, with the Von Miller deal and with the deals Adams and Hill are getting, like, Cup and Donald are going to get paid soon. So, like, they'll have to figure that out. But I kind of get to be a part of this origin story a little bit. They cut me and James and Jared Cook the same day, and then, <laughs> and then they just started. They just so this is cool. Like maybe a footnote in like the the history of NFL free agency and the less need like being a tone setter. Uh, I, I really do. I love Les, man. He's a good guy, and I you know I still keep in touch with him, and um, I'm happy to see success for him and for Kara and like listen like Reggie Scott like all those trainers and now. I got to give a shout out to Tyler Williams, who just went up to Minnesota and got a great job. Like, there's still a lot of dudes that were in that building in Earth City, kind of struggling through what you alluded to, which makes it even more sweet for the people in the building. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. It's um, like obviously you you played for a while under Les. I'm I'm pretty sure you got your big extension under Les. Like, did you kind of see any of not like the Rams being this good, but like his philosophy shift like I think the biggest trade that happened while you were there was the the Bradford for Foles trade which was a big deal yeah but you know he wasn't going I mean he didn't have the motivation to gamble like he is now but it, it escalated very quick I just think honestly like speaking plainly and you know listen I wish the Rams were still in St. Louis I mean like I played eight years there I'd love to be able to go back somewhere and I know the St. Louis fans have a hard time with the LA thing but talking from a football standpoint, like obviously they weren't as aggressive when we were in St. Louis. And I don't know if that was a part of a bigger, you know, kind of conspiracy and, you know, the plans were laid. But um, I think they're just a totally different operation now as far as the way they go out and try to win. And so, listen, that's good. I, I, I Anybody in the Rams, like I hope for that for those players. Like I, I, don't, I don't wish being on that kind of team um, – I don't wish that on my worst enemy. So I'm really happy that to see some guys, especially Aaron Donald, you know, I haven't even mentioned yet, who just missed all that garbage. Like, I, I'm just so happy he came in the league when he came in the league because he didn't. He doesn't deserve a single losing season. I mean, he's not only one of the best people, um, one of the best people that you're happy for when they succeed. So 
I'm just, yeah, I'm happy for the guys. I'm able to separate, you know, a little bit of the the feelings I might have about the geography and the move. And I know some people have a hard time with that. I still root for the players and the people that I know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask because I will say Johnny and I definitely understand your, you know, current take on the Rams because ultimately you didn't play for this version of the team. Yeah, you played in yeah, a different city. Like, different. how do you... How do you view, like, like do you, because I know you've kind of tied yourself to the Eagles, which, again, yeah. I get makes a ton yeah. of sense. Um, but, like, do you view the Rams currently as, like, your former team, or is it kind of like, I wore that jersey, but this wasn't the team I played for? Uh, There are horns on the jersey, or on, on the helmet. There are horns on the helmet. So there's, there's something similar. You know, like, the uniforms are way different, like, but there is a rich tradition, and, like, listen, I I do look at it as a different team. I don't look at it as, like, I probably won't go back a ton. You know, part of that's geography. I live in Virginia, but also, like, nobody gives a shit about me there. Like, and I don't blame them. L.A. fans, like, you know, many of them maybe were St. Louis fans, but not everyone. And I think I also respect the whole thing of, like, listen, before they were the St. Louis Rams, they were the L.A. Rams. And um, I just know that I made such a – like St. Louis was so home for eight years. I mean, I spent a quarter of my life in the Midwest. It's crazy to think about it that way. Most of my adult life in the Midwest, it's insane to think about that way as a kid from Virginia. Um, so I do wish sometimes that a lot of times that there was somewhere to go back to. I might not identify as an Eagle if there was something to go back to. I mean, like I identify as an Eagle largely because I finished my career there because we did something so special there um but when i go back to st louis i am a st louis ram i know it's a complicated deal but i also didn't play a single down in la and like i got cut knowing hey this team's moving i lived my last couple months in st louis in a hotel room because i was getting ready to sell my place because i knew it was over so you know it's just a complicated deal but like i said it's just like any other team i root for the people you know like I root for the people. I'm not rooting for Stan Kroenke. Like, I'm very agnostic on Stan Kroenke. In fact, like, if anything, I'm more, I side with St. Louis people, but I get the business of it in his mind. Um, I just root for the players. Johnny Hecker is another one, like, I play with. Um, I want those guys to win, you know? Uh, Even if it's in an L.A. Rams uniform, I know that's hard for some fans to, to understand in the Midwest, but, like, those are my brothers, a couple of those guys, you know? And so like, I don't, I, I want them to realize and see the the pot of gold at the end of the, the rainbow. Also that Super Bowl a couple of years ago was really painful. I mean, like there's been some painful stuff that's gone on for that team. I mean, losing Todd Gurley, kind of having to hit the reset button, Jared Goff, all that stuff. There's been so much turmoil to, to stick the landing like they did. It's pretty remarkable. I They've been so bold. Like, Les has been really bold. I got to hand it to him. For sure. And, and uh, Chris, I, I, I wasn't going to ask this question initially, but since we brought up jerseys and everything, I kind of had to ask this, and Steve might know where I'm going with this. What do you think about the newer jerseys as opposed to your time in St. Louis? Uh, it's kind of a hot topic for for um, the people in L.A. And um, also, before you answer, uh, the people that were fans of the Rams in LA absolutely love you and still remember you. Wow. So just I had to that. that I, lo- I, lo- I love them then. I mean, like I had a really, I had an unfortunate incident when we played the Rams. Uh, it was like a huge game for us. Uh, 
for home field advantage and that sort of thing. A couple of years ago when we won the Super Bowl, we went down there and Carson got hurt and we ended up winning. And BG scored a touchdown at the end. He jumped up in the stands because there were a lot of Eagles fans. Yeah. So I jumped up in the yeah. stands with him. We were jumping up for Eagles fans. And a guy pushed me, which I get. I'm in his space. And so I dog cussed <laughs> the guy. And then I rub it in a little bit. And all of a sudden, like, people are really upset with me. Like, you know, I'm a traitor and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, it's a football game. Like, I'm on hot. I'm on, like, 110. The animal just jumped into the – over the enclosure, dude. Like, I wasn't thinking about, like, the macro storyline of me as a St. Louis Ram respecting L.A. There was none of that. So anybody that thought that I hate the Rams, like, because they cut me, like, I could give a fuck less. If the Rams didn't cut me, I don't win at two Super Bowls. So, like, right. this true. is life. I mean, the, the year <laughs> – Les Snead cut me. He was at dinner at my house in Montana. Yeah. Like, and, and that I still incident, rock with the people I see, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the jerseys, to answer your question, um, I, I I thought I didn't like our St. Louis Rams jerseys. Like, I didn't like our St. Louis Rams get up. I'm allergic to, like, that gold, um, especially <laughs> indoor in the Edward Jones Dome lighting. Maybe if we won a lot more games, I wouldn't be so, like, scarred by it. <laughs> but I also don't think I like the bone on bone that you guys have now. Um, I, I, I'm okay with the other ones, but I just think when you have the Jack Youngbloods, you have the Eric Dickerson's like, what are we doing? Like, why Agreed. would we do anything but that? And so many NFL teams do that now. It's like the Bucks for three months. We're wondering what the fuck they're going to do with their uniforms. Well, here's some more like, straight down the middle safe shit we couldn't go back to the 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 guy with the the dagger in his mouth what's his name Buc- yeah. uh, buccaneer guy i mean the creamsicles <laughs> like I don't know his name. <laughs> everybody likes those uniforms who are we marketing to you know what i mean for yeah, sure i'm off my that, soapbox about that because the uniforms will get me going dude i, nah. I think i struck a nerve there <laughs> uniforms it. dude i'm such a snob <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, when, when they did their rebrand, like, I, 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 the jerseys, I like them now, but I still hate the fucking logo. Like, the logo yes. sucks, man. I can't <laughs> believe they went with that. It's detergent. Yeah, and that was the one thing, like, the St. Louis logo. Group, the, you guys had it, a good logo. Like, that Ram logo was dope. Yeah. The colors, yeah, yeah, cool. here and yeah, there, yeah. but that was yeah. a good logo. Um, and it, I think the St. Louis Rams could have won by maintaining that shell, but going Deacon Jones. Going blue yes. and white, that would have been so clean. We would look cool. Yeah, and they they attempted to do that a little when they came to LA, but they couldn't get rid of fully get rid of the, the helmet. Gold. Yeah, so they had that one <laughs> game where they wore the white helmets and the navy jersey. Dallas, yeah, Dallas. I I remember because I texted my own equipment guy Jimmy Lake, who's one of the all time greatest, and was like, "Ha, look at your guys' <laughs> fucked up uniforms." That was so like, great. how hard was that to pack your bags with a gold helmet and a white uniform or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that, that one was so disgusting. And, yeah, the the thing with the stands, that was overblown at the time. And you could really tell who's been here for, like, 18 months as a Rams fan. And they were like, fuck Chris Long. It's like, bro. like Yeah, it's all good. Y- yeah, I, yeah. You know, there's some young disrespectful people. Like, I don't mind somebody not being a fan of me. I don't give a fuck. But don't re- disrespect me. Like, there's people that are yeah. like, that guy sucked, this whole thing. I'm like, bro, they're, outside Aaron Donald, like, Call me when there's somebody on the LA Rams that has that has you know uh, fifty in six years for y'all. Good luck. Right. You know what yeah, I mean. Like, exactly. and, and meanwhile, with no leads. Like, so if you didn't watch St. <laughs> Louis Rams football, just sit it the oh. fuck out. <laughs> Shots fired. <Yeah. laughs> just sit it out, dude. Like, I, you know, I don't need you to put my name up there, but like, hey, don't shit on me. 
I agree. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. No, I don't mind it. So it's part I, of the deal. I'd love to like just kind of like rapid fire run through your time here. So you get drafted in 2008. Yeah. I don't want to name who the GM was, but have you ever looked at his draft history? Because you are not literally great. you're the only good player. Well, not and good even player. So, but... Even so, like there were. I mean, I don't know who else they draft. I'd have to go back, but our draft class was tough, man. Like it wasn't long before it was it was just me there and. You know, I also yeah. think there's part of this is like as somebody who struggled for two years, like for two years, I was a bust. Right. Like so. Um, and maybe some people still think by the by the technical term of like, if you're not a the second best player in your draft, you're a bust, you know, like. But I, I really do believe there's a, people d- discount the context with which a player enters the league. And so I want to be fair to as many of those guys as I can, because I can tell you how fucked up that situation was walking into that thing and the, the talent delta between us and other teams and it's the ultimate team sport and so rushing coverage works together um you know all types of things and like speaking from my perspective as a defensive lineman okay we measure our success on sacks so here you are touching down in your new team you're going to lead for a total of seven minutes this year and they're going to run the ball 40 times a game on you uh and you're a left end so you get most of the tight ends and and um, you're, you're in a six technique, not a nine. There's a lot of like intricacies that I can draw from my own first two years that I could point to why I wasn't maybe the player that I turned out to be in my prime. And a lot of those guys didn't get to, to ever realize that like, okay, I'm good. I, I made it, <laughs> you know? And I, I think I want to be as fair to those guys as possible. Now, I think my GM was uh, obviously Billy Devaney. Um, and, and it was, uh, it was, it was a tough it was a tough couple years, man. It, it really was. Uh, but honestly, it made me stronger and it helped my perspective as I entered the prime of my career. It made me a lot more appreciative of when even Jeff Fisher got there. Like, oh my God, we're competitive. Like, we were seven and nine a lot. People make those jokes, but my favorite yeah. portion of my career was the Jeff Fisher Rams. Yeah. And like, I, I had that on my <laughs> list because. Like the the Fisher thing ended so poorly that people just kind of like thought he was like a bad coach. Like you could immediately feel from 2011 to 2012, like how big the cultural shift wasn't. Like we outside of the 2010 year, like your first four years, we were we were a joke. Yeah. And then Fisher comes in and we meet like they called us like spooky for four years, but like shit, that was way better than what yeah. we were doing before. It was way like, better than like a doormat. Like we'd watch. Super Bowl teams and be like, yeah, we we beat them up. You know, like that was right. the hard part was like sitting in a room and watching the Seahawks just beat the dog shit out of the Broncos and like we beat them that year or we took every team to the wire. We'd beat the, the Niners up in like nine, six football games. I remember we held Marshawn Lynch to 20 yards rushing on Monday night. Me and Robert Quinn had three sacks apiece. We lost 12-7. You know, like that. there was at least a point of pride like defensively um where i knew that we were the best d-line in the league for a little bit uh and and i knew we were physical and i knew that when teams came to play us like it wasn't fun i can remember playing the bears and michael brockers hitting josh mccown so hard i thought he was dead like that was (laughs) that was and he got penalized just for hitting him too hard like it was totally legal that was us every week and it was like jolon dunbar it was james laronitis it was the attitude of the secondary janoris jenkins and those guys like we were just a bunch of like um renegades a little bit it was fun man and so a lot of people and i took it as disrespect sometimes late in my career when i'd be in philly like in that d-line room which was awesome and i love those guys but like somebody would say 
you know, what's it like to be on a good D line or like, this is crazy. This has got to be the best unit you I'm like, bro, I play with here were the guys I play with in, in St. Louis, Aaron Donald, Robert Quinn, who had 19 sacks on a seven win football team. Two of them were called back. He had one, he should have had 20 sacks. Robert Mathis beat him by a half sack. They called a penalty on the right sideline on a Sean Glennon sack. Uh, I, William Hayes was my backup, quote unquote, but he was an absolute dog. Yeah, he was Michael Brockers, Nick Fairley, uh, Eugene Sims, like Kendall Langford, the whole deal. Like we, we were, we were awesome, and I really loved those times. And I love Jeff Fisher, man. I know he takes a lot of shit, but coming from and part of this is like, hey, Spags didn't really love me. I liked Spags, and we still get along great. But like as a player, I can separate the business from the personal. He didn't want me around. <laughs> You know, like, and then I had 13 and that sort of thing. And I, and it was apparent that I'd probably outlast him there. Fish and Les gave me my deal, like, as soon as they got on campus, so to speak. And so I'm forever indebted to those guys, man. Like, and it's not just about the money. It's about the way we were treated as men. We never got over the hump, but I really love those guys. And that period was, uh, I got some of the closest friends. I'm still in a group text with Quinny, AD, you know, all those guys, William Hayes. And being in a group text with him is a lot of fun, but I wouldn't trade all that for the world. I mean, especially the way it ended up. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. And yeah. It, it's like if, if Fisher get like, it felt like after 2015, like the team's kind of stagnant. Like if they weren't moving, they might've moved on from him. And if they move on from after that year, I think he coaches again. It's just maybe the hard yeah. knocks thing in 2016, yeah. the seven and nine bullshit thing like that. Unfortunately, that just, put a bad taste in everyone's mouth. He's not he he's not 23 and an offensive coach that was in Washington. So right. like I totally <laughs> like I totally get it. Uh and Fish at some point you might see him as a head coach again one time in the league because the guy knows ball, man. You want to talk about somebody that like he was on the competition committee, knew all the little things about the rules and all types of stuff like next to Bill, I learned more from him about like the intricacies of the game than anybody. I think we could have been better on offense. You know, that was the whole thing. Like and also Greg's suspension and that sort of thing. Like it was a really term, turmoil filled time. It was tumultuous. It was hard to ever get our footing. Yeah. And it was a lot of bad luck too, offensively. Like, you know, totally. Sam, Sam comes in immediately and you guys go seven and nine. And then unfortunately just guy couldn't stay the healthy, knee, man. It's just the knee. And I can remember the Cleveland game, the Carolina game, the Cleveland one hurt the most in preseason. Cause we were going to be very good that year. I want to say it was 2014 that he got hurt. Um, and coincidentally, I got hurt like, uh, you know, week one. But we were we were supposed to be pretty good that year. And, and it felt like after all the things we'd been through, finally he was going to be back and to tear it again. I remember going to his house that day. It was just like one of the saddest things, bro. Like, I've never seen a guy give more and get hated more for something he could not control. And I totally get that it's a production business and Sam had great expectations and didn't meet them, but it wasn't like he was just like, fuck football. Like I saw him try to play with things that were frankly criminal and like doing that on a team where the offensive line, even if he could run was like atrocious. It was, I really admired him. I saw him have to get talked down and talk coaches into coming into games where he couldn't walk. You know what I mean? And it'd be something that the media wouldn't even hear about because he was just getting obliterated back there. So I really got it. I love Sam. He's one of my best buddies. But that whole – we a lot of hardship brought everybody closer, but we didn't have a lot of winning to show for it. The, the yeah. line, like, you can't over 
exaggerate how bad that line was. Like <laughs> we didn't we did an all decade team podcast and it was all McVay guys. Like oh, yeah. nobody yeah. from sure, the this time. For sure. It was terrible and like, you know, uh Saffle was one crossover that yeah. we had. Yes. But like generally I just remembered like the only picture I have of Sam in my head was either throwing a dime and the feeling of like, yes, this is why he's here or him just having to duck down and get sacked by six guys. I remember Trent Cole hit him like 17 times one game in in St. Louis. It was just tough, man. It was tough going offensively. Yeah. And I mean, the same luck, like Balger had a longer stint before everything fell apart. Yeah, Mark. Same thing happened to him. Like at the end of his career, he's just dying back there. I think that that dome, it would have been great if they'd have built a stadium on the river. I remember in 2014 or 13, there were rumblings that they were going to try to build a stadium by the river down there. And my producer nodding his head because he lived in St. Louis for a long time. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to be here anyways to see it in 2000, 2018 or 17 or whatever they were talking about. But damn, that would be cool. And I really wish they'd done it because I think the Edward Jones dome was like built on like a burial ground. Um, I don't think, or that maybe Mike oh, wow. Martz, I think that maybe Mike Martz made a deal with the devil or something, or like the members <laughs> of the greatest show on turf did like tarot cards or a Ouija board. And then we just got fucked for 10 years because everybody got hurt <laughs> and like nothing panned out. It was just, yeah. it was traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, even, even like the good, like, you know, guys like Steven Jackson, like, Oh. All timer, like might have been yeah. a Hall of Famer somewhere else. He but, is like, somewhere he stuck else with us. Yeah, it sucked. I hate. I hate that for him. But maybe he. Maybe one day. Um. What? Uh, Johnny wanted me to ask this. And November twenty fourth, twenty thirteen, you go against Kyle Long for the first time. You guys <laughs> crush them. Uh, how was it like? Like first time you go across from him, and were you walking to that game like there's no fucking way like we lose this game like we are gonna smack them around. Well, it was as much about like my brother was a rookie. He looks he looks up to me. I'm his big brother. Like you know, we're we're boys. We're really tight. But especially at that point, as like a rookie, like I was his big brother, and he wanted to have a good game. And there were so many people in town. And Kyle has a little bit different fuse than me. Like my fuse runs long, you know, and then just like blows. Like Kyle's fuse when he was especially young was like a really short one. And William Hayes is somebody that can kind of accelerate that combustion. And uh, Will knows that about Kyle. Like, Kyle and I, um, I took Kyle with the D-line, coincidentally, the summer before his rookie year, to Las Vegas. And we went to this pool party. Um, And we had a great weekend. He was, like, one of the guys. William Hayes and Kyle, super tight. Everybody cool. Fast forward to November coming in town we got 50 people in town it's the first time the brothers have played this is an overhyped event we don't even really line up like directly across from each other but if we if i stunt i might have to deal with him that sort of thing but nonetheless it's going to be high stakes and by the end of the first quarter will has him so pissed off that he physically like he just picks william hayes up who's one of the strongest people i've ever seen throws him around like a rag doll like if you look up a video of like a bear fucking up a human like that's quite literally what it looked like in person and uh, my friend like i've never seen william go so like just lifeless like we just had to just hopefully the animal gets tired of it and walks away but kyle was just like pounding him with the turf and throwing him around and i had to run off the sideline <laughs> to like 
and people thought I was going to get Kyle because I cared or like save. I was trying to save Kyle from getting ejected because I didn't want dinner after the game to be so fucking somber with all those people. Because <laughs> if because after Kyle, because Kyle gets to get on the team plane right and go home and lick his wounds, I gotta sit at a funeral dinner. What for? We won, dude. Like, why is everybody so sad? It's because Kyle can't control his fucking temper. So, yeah, like, that was a pain in the ass for Big Brother. And quite frankly, like, he's so strong, he ripped my jersey. Like, he ripped the jersey. Like, if you look back, like, there's a rip in the jersey um, from getting, like, I think I'm holding on to him, and he has so much force that he just separated me from my jersey. Like, it was insane, dude. I The second time we played each other, we had to have, like, a talk before. Like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you just yeah. can't do that anymore, dude. Uh, and then fast forward New England, they came up for joint practice, which I hate joint practices. And I crossed Kyle's face on a stunt and just beat him like whiff, right? Crafty. And so he whips around with his big ass right arm, which probably weighs 60 pounds and just ice picks me to keep me from like getting to the quarterback and breaks my rib. He fractured my rib dude in fucking training camp practice. So me and Kyle, Although he's going to be on our show hopefully tomorrow and he lives five minutes from now. We got beef, dude, over that shit. That shit was not cool. <laughs> so I, I have to I have to ask. This was something I absolutely wanted to make sure this was asked in this interview. Um, what did you tell him? Like you're you're pulling him out of the, the pile. So what exactly were you telling him at that time uh, to kind of get him to calm down? Because obviously when you got involved, um, he calmed down a little bit. Well, Kyle, I'm- it's me, you know, like that, I, you know, like it's me, stop. It's me. Like, do you hear my voice? Stop. Like, because a lot of times like the voice might bring them back, you know, like <laughs> come back Kyle. And then, and then after, by the grace of God, he didn't get suspended. Um, he, uh, he's standing there and he's fucking mad or, by the grace of God. He doesn't get ejected. I'm like, there's a TV timeout and I'm trying to like talk sense to him. If you go back in the TV copy, I could see it. Cause I went back to look at how bad it looked. And I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, calm down. You're lucky to be here. We got to go out to dinner after like everybody's here at the game, like chill the fuck out. And he's just got those shark eyes and I can't help it. Like, it's just like, dude, I, he's just, he's, he's gone, dude. He's gone. Like for sixty minutes, he's gone. Oh, man. <laughs> you gotta uh, know uh, Kyle. Uh, when Kyle, when Kyle the switch flips, it's just like, oh my god, get all the furniture out of the room and everybody leave. You know, he's right. just a big, powerful guy. Uh, I'll I'll have to uh, switch directions here a little bit because one of the things we've we've discussed pretty much through throughout this interview is that you've had to kind of deal with a lot of well for lack of a better word shit since you arrived uh you know when you were drafted by the rams one of the things i'm sure you had to deal with on a number of occasions is being compared to your dad yeah um, uh, inevitable that, inevitable yeah yeah it's and it is and it's, it, it's understandable but yeah. like was that something you you kind of felt more along the draft process or was that something that you felt throughout your entire NFL career as well? And how annoying was that exactly? I think it's a rea- It's just a reality. It's a reality today. I mean, like, fuck, I'm trying to do the media. Like people are going to compare me in the media, contrast me in the media to my dad. Some people might think like a lot of the reason I go indie and do my own thing is because like, I want to earn everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like 
I had to hear in high school if I made, you know, an all fucking conference team, somebody was going to say it was because of my dad, not because I was six foot three, 250, you know, and like perfect technique. I like, or if I go to Virginia and get a scholarship because of my dad, you know, like get drafted because of my dad, not the 13 sacks in the ACC or a solid combine, which by the way, my combine wouldn't be so solid anymore. Holy shit. Like these times, <laughs> <laughs> they would have made me. A, it would have made me a guard. But I just, um, although that ten yard split was good. Look back at that one. I, like <laughs> that's how I made my money. But I just think like my dad has always been a shadow. Like it, you know, for better or for worse. Like he's my best friend. He's somebody I, I love to death, and somebody who's always been there for me, and has been a net positive in my life. Even in the face of some of the negatives that being compared to the hall of fame or brings like like those negatives and and that's and that scrutiny has made me better it's also made me more humble like it's just like it's no big deal what i did for a living when i walk in the house and there's two other people uh who are bigger and more talented and uh you could argue better than me i mean definitely my dad but you know like me and my brother both had really good careers like my brother went to three pro bowls like so there's no big deal in what i did and that allows me to stay grounded. And it also put a chip on my shoulder. Like it's this thing that you can kind of use it however you want to. And I tried to use it however I could throughout the league. Cause the, the reality is it, it's not going away. And you know, I did things in the NFL that I would have never imagined I get a chance to do. And I'm talking individually too. Um, and some people it'll never be enough. And that's fucking fine, dude, <laughs> because I worked my ass off. I played hurt. I was a teammate. And uh, I made a lot of money, and I can support my family, and and I'm pretty proud of my career. But there will always be people that'll compare you to a Hall of Famer, and that that's something other people don't ha- don't understand, and that's okay. Uh, but that's that's the reality of being a Hall of Famer's kid. Listen, if the, if every Hall of Famer's kid was destined for the NFL, where are they? Yeah. You know what Very I mean. True. So like, so I I. The, my favorite one is always like, well, you were just genetically blessed. I'm like, have you seen the guys I play with? <laughs> like, my dad gave me 1983 NFL genes, yeah. dude. The whole league is genetically blessed, too. I'm like, we're all yes. here because of our genetics, bro. <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, by by that, by that, you know, kind of hypothesis, you would figure every kid was in the league. And that's kind of just the way I've had to deal with it. And I'll deal with it in the media and whatever. And it's also kind of like instructing me. I have two young boys. Like, maybe they want to play football one day. Uh, maybe they don't, which would be fine too. Like they're going to have to deal with being compared to me and their granddad. And like, you just, it, it's, it's different, you know? For sure. That's very fair. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just the way it is. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, I had teammates that were like, you know, what's it like? That's gotta be nice. I'm like, well, what's it like not having any fucking pressure? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what's that like, bro? Yeah. You know what I mean? So what a rebuttal, man. That's well, it's not, it's not an argument. It's just more like, dude, like everybody has challenges and, and, and everybody has obstacles. And that's why I respect everybody's journey to the NFL, dude. Like it's just such a, it's such a dream to get there, but then staying in is even harder. And so however you got there, I respect the fuck out of it. For sure. And it's very true. It's a yeah. hard path to follow. Like not remotely the same, but like my parents own a family business. I don't work for them. My brother does. So he's got the pressure of like carrying on the business and I'm just over here like 
talking on a fucking podcast, doing like my own thing. Like, so yeah, but I, you're the black. Everything. There you go. You're the you're the black sheep of the family. So am I. Kyle's got a right. studio job. I do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You well. Know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, I don't want to keep you all day, but, like, uh, everyone, if you haven't, check out Chris's Greenlight Pod. Uh, listen, man, I, I remember back – I've always been a big, like, Rosillo fan, who I know is your guy. Like, yeah, I, I, I remember you back on uh, SVP and Rosillo. Like, you, you've you been working on this for a long time. Like, well, we I just said this. I was just on Michael Irvin's podcast, and shout-out to Michael Irvin. He's the fucking coolest guy to be so awesome and yeah. famous and Hall of Famer. Like, he's so down to earth. But uh, – we were just talking about kind of like the training we had for podcasting is like we did podcasts for 11 years, like 15 years, 20 years in locker rooms. Like we had the best podcasts of all time and nobody ever heard them. So like all this is about is just having a conversation and meeting people and, 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 you know, kind of shooting the shit. And so I, I like doing this. This is, this is fun. This is, you know, and Scott and Ryan, those guys, like I met him at the Super Bowl, mainly Scott, and he was so cool to me. I just like Scott as a dude. Like I like back when Scott was not too famous to party in public, like I, I'd party with Scott at the Super Bowl. And then like I met Steve, who's one of my best buddies and and Ryan. And so like those guys have been people who have helped me along the way in this whole thing. Like Ryan gave me a gig right out of the league that I didn't deserve, you know, podcasting with him like he's great at it. And I'm like trying to learn on the run it's a learning process just like football. And I'm really lucky to have those guys as like my veterans. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's like, they're my Leroy Glovers and Leonard Littles and Fred Robbins. So it's cool. Hey, I, I really enjoyed those weekly positives or so. Maybe it was a little, my Rams bias here, but I did too. I did too. And I appreciate it, but you know how it is. Like your first day on the job. If you listen back to your first podcast, you're probably like, dude. Oh yeah, for sure. That's oh, how without I, a doubt. You know, like I'm like, I don't even want to listen to those. So, um, and I won't want to listen to my podcast now in five years, hopefully. It's just like being a player. You try to grow every year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any Anything you guys are doing interesting coming up for the people to check out? You know, we're probably – we're going to do some we, – we do a lot of March Madness live streams. I would say, like, listen, check out Greenlight Pod. We're also trying to grow our, our YouTube, which is uh, Greenlight Tube. Which, so um, check that out. There's be live streams, more stuff going on there. So if anybody's listening, give us a – I don't know how you would like what what do you do on YouTube? Give us a subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, which I'm there getting better at plugging my own content here. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, this was a blast. Uh welcome to come on anytime. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, hit me up. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk to you guys, man. Yeah, I still love Rams fans, man. Seriously. So appreciate the, y'all. the vast majority of us. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that was Chris. Check out the Blue Wire. Check out the Blue Wire, of course. Check out Blue Wire, but check out Greenlight Podcast specifically. It is, uh, it's a great listen. Chris is, a, he is good at this, genuinely. I'm not just trying to blow up smoke up his ass. Uh, he, he He's a good podcaster. And, yeah, I follow my Twitter at Joel91. Joel spelled out, nine number one spelled out. Uh, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Superbao, at Johnny Five Not Six, and at Talk Rams. And we'll be back with you guys soon. 
how, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.